0: Good morning morning. my name is John Gallagher I'm the student ministries uh, director here at Shiloh United Methodist Church and I want to go way back maybe for some of you for me maybe I have to go really far back I have to go back to the days of when you were in college when you were in school And you're hanging out you're having fun you're doing all sorts of good things with your friends and college is just a super fun time for those of you that aren't in school yet maybe think of some fun memories that you've had when you've been at school things you've gotten to do people you've gotten to see i remember being in school and one of the things that was told to me over and over again as part of being at a small christian school called taylor university is that we were to be an intentional community and when I think of being in an intentional community, I don't have the exact understanding of what it was supposed to be. My best understanding is that you were supposed to be Jesus to the world, supposed to be the church. And that was, that was Taylor's mission, was that we were gonna be people that were representing Jesus wherever we go. Whether we go to McDonald's, whether we play games together, whatever we decide to do, we're gonna go be Jesus to the world. And so this phrase, intentional community, was told to us over and over again. And on my floor, as with being a bunch of guys, it almost kind of would turn into a joke. And it would be, hey, let's go, let's go be an intentional community together. And you would just go be a group of people goofing around, playing video games, going to McDonald's, whatever you decide to do. Those things aren't wrong, those things aren't bad. It's good to be in community. But I think that we started to lose our purpose of the community. And it's like, well, if you're a community and you're doing fun things, but you don't have a purpose, what are you doing? And I, th- I often think, okay, well, how does that tie to the church? Because the church is told to be a community with a specific purpose. What is the purpose of the church? So I want us to think about that a little bit today as we get into God's word together. There's going to be a lot of different pieces I want to read before we get straight into Acts chapter 2. So before we do that, I want to go into Luke. And Luke is one of the four gospels, one of the four complete stories of Jesus's life. So it's in the New Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So a gospel is just the story of Jesus's life. And if you want a page reference, I'll help give you a page reference here. We're gonna be in Luke chapter one, it's page 1016. And I just wanna give just a brief reference to why it was written. So if you didn't know that Luke and Acts are actually connected, and so that's important to know because we're going to be reading out of Acts today. And Luke, it's it's the same author. Luke wrote both Luke and Acts. So here's what Luke says right from the start, because it's important for us to know as the church, what are we all about? You see it right in the beginning. So this is what Luke says, chapter one, verse one. In so much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses, ministers of the world, have delivered them to us, it seems good to me also, having followed all of them closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. You may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught Okay, so we get right from the beginning that this, this is an account, it's a historical account, it's a narrative. These things are written in truth. What things? The things of Jesus, the person of who Jesus claims to be. So right from the beginning, Luke is telling his friend Theophilus, we don't know if it's a specific person, we don't know if it's a community, we know that it's someone. And so Luke is saying right from the start, I'm writing these things to you because you need to be certain that these things have happened. What things? The life of Jesus. The life, the person of who he claimed to be. Jesus came to earth. He came as a small boy, he was born. He was born in Bethlehem, kind of a ruddy small town. He was raised in a place called Nazareth, which is a place you wouldn't wanna be. So right from the beginning of Jesus's story, he has very humble circumstances. We see his humility over and over and over again throughout scripture. And this is who Jesus claimed to be. He claimed to be God. He was fully man, he was fully God. And for about the first 30 years of Jesus' life, we don't get to hear a whole lot. We know a little bit, we know how he's born. We hear of a story of him being growing up and hearing teachings in the temple. But we don't see a whole lot until about 30 years into his life, he is he gets to start his ministry. So he's baptized. He's baptized by his cousin John, and as he goes and he's baptized, which is pretty wild for Jesus, a, a person that's completely sinless to be baptized. But he says to fulfill all righteousness. I am going to be baptized. So his cousin baptizes him. He comes up, and what comes onto him is 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 a form of the Holy Spirit. It's a dove in bodily form comes onto him, and this is Jesus. And then the father proclaims that this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And so the ministry starts right there. From there he's tempted into the wilderness and he has to go and he's tempted by the enemy, tempted by Satan for 40 days. So in a real brief understanding, Israel failed God way back in the beginning because Israel is God's people. And for 40 years they wandered around in the wilderness. 40 days Jesus succeeds where Israel has failed. And so as this continues, then what Jesus does, as a real brief understanding, Jesus heals people, he he does miracles, the demons are cast out, the paralyzed are set free, those that are, are struggling with whatever they're going through, sickness, disease, death, Jesus heals them. And then from there, after all of these things have happened, after he's proclaimed to be God, there's some people that get really upset. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. They lose their control. They lose their power. And out of selfishness, out of just being jerks, they decide, you know what, we're going to stir some people up. We're going we're to kill this guy. Because they think that, he, that he's blaspheming, that he's claiming to be God. We can't have that. And so Jesus is put on trial. He's tortured. He goes through all these terrible things. And then He dies. And later on in, in Luke, you have these two guys. One of them is very, very faithful to Jesus. He'd been following him since the beginning. And you have this person that's been following Jesus for three years. And then after that happens, this is when Jesus is still dead, we think. It's after the third day. And they meet this guy on the road. And they meet this guy on the road, and, they, and, and it's Jesus. Spoilers. And it's Jesus, and he, and he, and he says, well, hey... Uh, one of his buddies they say hey are you the only person that is has not heard of these things and jesus kind of edges him on he's like what things what are you talking about oh jesus of nazareth he's a man who proclaimed to be god we we had hoped that he was the one that would redeem israel and so even then the people for whatever reason one of them that's very faithful to jesus been following for three years we had hoped he was the one to redeem israel where were they going they were going back home They were done. The mission was over. It's going to go back to fishing. Because this Jesus, the one that claimed to be God, he's dead. It's done. It's finished. And yet, it wasn't. It was just the beginning. And so Jesus, this person who claimed to be God, this person who would rescue the people from their sins, he comes back to life and he's resurrected. And from there, he appears to 500 different people, And everyone gets to see who he is. And just imagine what it's like. This is the person that you'd you'd put all your hope in. And then he comes back. And they get to fish with him. They get to tell stories. They get to laugh. They get to do all sorts of things. They live life together again, just like they were before. And then about 40 days after he's appeared, Jesus says, hey, I, I want you to wait for my spirit. I want you to wait for me. And it's actually better that I go. Because then I will send the Holy Spirit, the helper, and he's going to come and live inside of you. What that must be like. And, 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 and I think for myself, sometimes I'm like, the world's so crazy. It'd just be better if Jesus was here and he'd just fix everything. Well, Jesus' plan is that it'd be better if he would leave. Because then, the Holy Spirit will then live inside of his people. And so Jesus... Ascends back into heaven, and the people wait. In Acts chapter 2, it's where we find ourselves. It's page 1081. So here's a little bit of Acts just before we get into our exact verse for the day. This is right in the beginning of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they're all together in one place. These are all the people that are waiting. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues, so other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. So they go through all these different languages. So then verse 12, they were amazed. They were perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Others, they mocked him and they said, oh, they're they're filled with too much wine. Okay, so they, they just had this promise from Jesus that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And for some of them, some of them, the, the Holy Spirit comes, and when people see it, they're at awe. They're like, this is happening. This is, this is really real. God is actually living in his people. God is doing miraculous things. Why wouldn't you be at awe at that? It's because it's true? It's because it's real? And it's like, wow, that's really cool. And some, they're kind of like, oh, that's, come on, that's silly. They've just had too much wine. Now, the reports that have been coming out After Jesus had come back from the dead, the big report around town is that the disciples stole the body. That's what the officials wanted people to think. They were kind of freaked out when they heard that Jesus had come back from the dead. They're like, hey, the the body's missing. What are we supposed to do? And so they're like, well, you know what? Just conjure up the story that, that, uh, you know, the disciples stole the body. That will satisfy the officials and the leaders. That's the report that everyone's going to hear. So Jesus did. He appeared to 500 people. But there's still a lot of people that were under this story of like, hey, you know, we're pretty sure that you guys just stole the body, okay? And, and so there would be some people that think this is ridiculous. Come on, no way. And they've had too much wine to drink. This is what Peter says. This is Peter. This is the guy that's been following Jesus for the last three years. Peter standing up to the eleven, he lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea, all who are dwelling in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose? It's only like the third hour of the day. This is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. So all people. In those days I'll pour out my spirit. They shall prophesy. I shall wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders, the signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered a cup up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death, because it's not possible for him to be held by it. David then says a few things. David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, my heart rejoiced, My, my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in the hope. You will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I say this to you with confidence about Patriarch David. He, was, he died, he was buried, and his tomb's with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn to him an oath, he would set one of the descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Jesus, of this Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades. His flesh didn't see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. We're all witnesses of it. So shatters that truth right from him. Because they had thought, yep, the disciples stole the body. No, Jesus, this one that claimed to be God, the one that was the son of man, he is the one that is resurrected and he is the reason that the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. And they're shattered. They're like, okay. And, and so after they hear this message, after they hear this, this is what they say. So, okay, verse 37. When they had heard this, they're cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent. "...be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, it's for you, for your children, all who are far off, that's everyone, whom the Lord our God calls to himself. With many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word, they were baptized. They were added that day about 3,000 souls." 3,000 people, okay? That's 20% of Jasper in a day. It wasn't because of a, a famous strategy or a slogan or something we're supposed to do. It's because God saved the people. It's because God came in and he lives inside of them. They've received the word. They've repented. They're like, hey, no more of our sin, no more of our crap, no more of our old way. We're all about Jesus now. And so 20 people, 20% people, twenty of Jasper, 3,000 people, boom, in a day. And I think of that, and I'm like, well, that's pretty amazing. You shouldn't be surprised, because God did it. God changed them, And it's right there. So what does that look like? What does it look like when, God's, when God is living inside of his people, when they're all about Jesus now? This is what they do. Passage that we're on for today. Verse 42. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, So the teachings of Jesus, the fellowship of the breaking of bread and the prayers, awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed, they're together. They had all things in common. They were selling their possessions, belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And so day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And they're praising God, having favor with all the people. The Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So what did the church do? What were the early believers doing? They were together in the ways that they were together. They were eating together, fellowship, as we like to call it. But it wasn't just eating for the sake of eating. It's not like that kind of purposeless community that we were talking about before. Their purpose was to eat together because they loved Jesus, because they loved God. They couldn't help but meet together. So they would eat together. They would break bread together. That means that they would practice communion together. So every day, they're remembering, this is Jesus. This is is God who's died for us. And now he's delivered us from our sins and we have new life because of him. They did it every single day. They would read scripture together daily. They would pray together daily. They'd worship God daily. And they could worship God, whether it was here, whether it was in in their synagogues. When it was outside of their synagogues, they didn't have McDonald's back then, but I'm sure if they did, they could worship God at McDonald's. They could worship wherever. And they did that because God had changed them. And now they know this is why we live. This is our purpose. So we're going to follow him faithfully every single day. What a community to be a part of. How cool is it that you get your neighbor and you say, hey, we're going to go, let's read together. Let's sing songs to God because we love him. Let's pray together. Let's do this together as a community of people because God has changed us. And they say, yeah, let's go together. And so that's what it was all about. It wasn't worshipping a name that's outside of our building. It wasn't worshipping a specific denomination. It was worshipping the one person that's worth worshipping. His name is Jesus Christ. That is who we are here for. That is what the church is for. And that's awesome. People want to be a part of that. The world's caught up in worshipping garbage. We're not about that anymore. We're about worshipping God. And when people see that, they're going to say, we want to be a part of that too. And God's going to change them because guess what? God changed them back then and he does today. That is what the church is all about. Worshiping, honoring, being together with God, being together with people. That is the church. What would it be like, what it would be like for, for us today if we did that? It might give our, our operations director, Ron Flowers, a bit of a headache if we were here every single day but I think it'd be pretty cool. Doesn't mean that we have to necessarily do it here, though we could. What if instead of our Sundays and our Wednesdays, our check boxes? I often do that. What if instead of those days, what if we did it every single day together? What if you got another person in, the, in this community here and you said, hey, I'm going to take this stuff seriously now. We're going to start reading this together. Every day. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. You can't help it. Because God's changed you, and your desires have been changed completely, and now it's all about following Him. I'll tell you, for me, I don't know if I can start that right away. That's pretty intense, but I know something that I've planned, even just for just to start, is on Tuesday. As I'm meeting with a buddy, and I had shared a little bit of this message with him. He said, "Hey, let's let's go. Let's start reading together." Okay, great. Pick a day. Boom. Start there. Maybe that's where you start. Pick one day maybe more days will follow. And it's not because of your willpower, your drive, your desire. I hope your desire is for God. I hope that as you move towards that, God's going to continue to give you the desire for him. And that's what it's all about. Friends, when the world sees us, they should see Jesus. And that's pretty cool. That's the life that we get to be a part of. I hope for you guys here, That's what you get to do. Go be Jesus to the world. People will come. It happened in Acts. It'll happen again today. Let's pray. Father God, the world distracts us and has lots of things going on, and yet we know what your word says. We know that our lives are all about Jesus now. So God, help us be faithful Just as the early church was faithful, they met together each day after repenting of their sins, after seeing that now we need Jesus, they followed him. They did that through reading the word, through eating together. God, they did it all through you. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit comes and moves, changes hearts, changes our minds, changes our desires, changes us. So that now, we follow you. We follow you faithfully. We worship because we we just love you. We can't help it anymore. It's just there. So let Jesus be the reason that we are your people. And you know that we pray, God.